Mr. Marox, I am so glad you're with me. It's a thrill to be here with and you. And I'm glad you wrote a book, and I want to know all about it. Well, it's called Led by the Spirit, What Benny Hinn Taught Me About Empowered Living. And I wrote it for three reasons. One, I wanted to honor you because you are a great man of God, and you have been such a blessing, not to my life, but thousands of young men and women around the world that are in the ministry today because of you. And I wanted to honor you and tell people the story that I know behind the scenes of the man that you actually are, the character, the integrity, the love for God, your, the way you love God's word, and how many people you've actually impacted. That was the number one reason I wanted to write this book. The second reason was, is because there's so many people out there that don't, didn't have the opportunity that I had to serve a great man of God like you. And to me, that is what we're missing in the body of Christ, is that willingness to serve somebody else and then, you know, what is it? Malachi, it says, God will turn the hearts of the fathers to the sons yeah. and the sons to the fathers and remove the curse. And I believe that's very important right now that people find their mentor, their spiritual submission so that they can find their call and their destiny. And then last but not least, you know, you are so powerful letting people know that the same anointing that you've operated in all over the world in millions of people's lives been impacted in these large meetings, that that power is available to us on a day-to-day -day basis to live out our life for Jesus. And so that's why I wrote the book, and um, it's been quite a journey, and I'm glad to have gotten it out, and I'm glad you took the time to talk to me about it. But I'm also glad that you are here, and I'm very grateful to the Lord, really I am, for you. It's not often that someone comes along who wants to do what you're doing. You know, uh, I think men of God are misunderstood often. And um, people in the supernatural ministry, healing ministry, are probably the, the most uh, misunderstood people in the world. And sometimes when uh, they get old, people forget them. Mm. Not because they want to, I think because they don't know what to do with them when they're old. Um, I was, I was uh, in Seattle a few days ago and uh, I was at a big church. They had a big uh, service planned for Easter. Uh, it's one of the probably the, one of the largest churches in that area there of Seattle. And uh, the, the pastor, very young, very uh, upcoming, had uh, his staff come together and, and some pastors, about a hundred or so people, for the uh, for the next day. They had probably about seven thousand in that service, and then the next day. He, we, we, we had a kind of a pastor's meeting, staff pastors. So one of, the, one of the pastors, one of the young pastors, and most of them were young people anyways, he said, because I had you know, opened it up for question answers, and he said, you're probably or have been one of the most hated people mm. in the body of Christ. I was in shock when he said wow. that. I think he's right. He said, because you've been misunderstood. Mm -hmm. and But he was very, very kind. He said, now though that you're older, we want to know more about how did you handle all the attacks and all the criticism and all that. I said, well, frankly, I didn't really think much about it. I said, I was too focused on the Lord to think about it. I write about that in the book, actually, because I wanted people to know that. The price that you paid to do what you did and the persecution that you, that you suffered, uh, 
but just because you, you, you to me epitomize obedience to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I've never met anybody else, and I've been around a long time now, that would be as obedient as you to just do what God said do. If God said, put your coat on somebody, if God said, blow through a microphone, if God said, stop the service and get off the platform, you would do it no matter what it cost at the willingness to know you would be persecuted by it because people did not under, did not understand it. But the results, you can't argue with. I write in this book how I met a man in a hotel that came to the service. You put your jacket on him, threw your jacket on him, goes back to Argentina, and the nations changed. The whole nations changed because one man came to you, and you in just simple obedience to the Holy Spirit did an act of faith that so many people don't understand, and a whole nation was changed. Take that all the way down to an individual. My wife, Beverly, and I yesterday was with a young, powerful young man coming up. He said, I took my mother to Benny Hinn's meeting because I had my generation was my generational line was cursed. My mother hated God. She didn't want to be in the meeting. She didn't like Benny Hinn. She didn't understand him. He said she went and sat in the very top of the arena to hide, and the power of the Holy Ghost found her there when Pastor Benny prayed and apprehended her and knocked her out of her chair, and our whole family was transformed. Amazing. And I want people to know that, to know that to I want them to maybe un, even understand more because it, I, this guy says hated you. I think that's a little drastic. Of of course, don't mis have misunderstood. They just don't know, and they hadn't understood the supernatural that you have lived in all these years and your willingness to do whatever it took to get people touched by God. Well, what I was saying to you earlier about the young man is the good news is things have changed in the in the way they view me, and he so, said that, and I'm really grateful. And a lot of other young people in the last few months and so on have said the same thing to me. Maybe not as as much as he said, but they said basically, you know, we look at you in a different way now. And and I think the the whole thing they say is, well, you're still here, kind of thing. So must be God. <laughs> <laughs> the very fact you still are here, uh, God must be the must longevity be of it. somehow. You, you, longevity. You, are, you have survived. Yeah, you've survived it. All that. So and you're still going. You're still preaching. You're still going strong. That. Well, look. You know, I really honor you for writing this book. And it's not because it's, it's, it's about what God did with us. I honor you that you would take the time to write it because I think the one thing we lack in the body of Christ is honoring those who have gone before us. And I think probably the only reason I'm here is because I honored Oral and Rex Humboldt. I, I watched you do it all, all the time. Watched you honor those that went before you. And when I say honor, I don't just mean, hello, how you doing? You know, we took care of them uh, in, a, in a real way, in a financial way, for 20 years, something like that. Both of these precious men. Uh, I don't know how long with Rex, but both of them, uh, we, our ministry helped them and so on. And I've always said, had Catherine lived, I would have most certainly taken care of her too. Um, but anyways, uh, thank you for doing this. But let's let's talk about longevity and and why it's important to to kind of uh, finish better than you started. You know, it's all about the Lord. Yes, we don't want to disappoint Him. You know, there's a great scene. In the movie, uh, a man called Peter. I think you've seen I that. I love you that, that. Love that movie, where when he became the pastor of the president's church, 
Peter Marshall, he said, let's pray we don't disappoint him. Because God gave him such an honorable position to be the pastor of the church that Abraham Lincoln attended. And here he is now the pastor of this very famous church in Washington. And he goes there at night with his wife, Catherine Marshall. And he stands there on the pulpit with an empty auditorium that night. They just arrived in Washington. Before they preached the, the, on, on Sunday, he, he wanted to go and see the building when it was dark and nobody there. And he stood on that pulpit and looked at his wife and said, we pray we will not disappoint the Lord. Mm. And I think, you know, Jesus has been disappointed, has been grieved for so long. And I think we make a decision when we start. And as, as we're still, you know, walking the road in ministry, I mean, we will not disappoint him. We all somewhat do. We all kind of mess up here and there. But he knows in our heart of hearts, we don't want to disappoint him. Mm -hmm. Even though at times we fail, we all have, but we we go back, you know. Uh, a man falls and gets up again. Yes. If he's righteous, he gets up again. If he's not righteous, he doesn't get up again. And it's just about how do you get up? You know, there was a, a fellow years ago in California. I was uh, looking for people uh, to to uh, help me in uh, at the house in California. And uh, so I called that company, some company, and they sent me these different people. And this was for like uh, just to do things around the house, you know, take care of things that I don't have time to take care of. And this one gentleman from Poland walked in. And at first I didn't like him. I didn't like the way he, he talked and the way he behaved. But as he's walking out, and I'm thinking, you know, you're no good. I'm not, forget you. I'm gonna, and there was other people waiting to be interviewed for the position. And he turned around out of the blue. And I was at that time going through some struggle. He turned around out of the blue without even, I had not said a word to him about anything that I was going through. We were just talking about, you know, his position and job. Right. And will he do a good job or not? And as he started picking, no, wrong, wrong guy. We'll just have to let him go and in a nice way to say bye. So I said, listen, uh, you know, we'll let you know kind of thing because there was two other people waiting. And uh, so he said, okay. So I said, we'll, we'll call you. So he's walking out. He stops. He turns around, he says. And he had no idea about anything going on in my life. He said, Pastor Benny, it's not the way you fall that matters to God. It's the way you get up. Wow. And I said, come back here, sit down. <laughs> I said, why did you say that to me? I just had to say it. I said, are you a Christian? He said, well, not really. And, you know, I, know I, I wasn't looking for a Christian to do a job. Of at course. The house. I was just looking for someone who knew what he's doing. I said, uh, you know the Lord? He said, I think so. I said, you're hired. <laughs> I said, why, why are you hiring me? I said, 
only God could have stopped you and had you say what you said to me because I needed to hear it. And that stuck in my head. And I think God used it at the time. Absolutely. Because I was struggling with some things. And now I look back and how true he was, how true that statement is. It isn't how you fall. That no, sir. It's how you get up. And I think ministry is all about what do you do when you have a struggle? What, what, what do you do with it? Well, you know? I watched you. I watched you in the great times when everything was going well and everything, then there was days when everything wasn't going well. And that's what impacted my life so strongly about you. There's an old statement that says, anybody can hold the helm when the sea is calm. But I've watched you navigate the good, the bad, the indifferent. And that's what impacted me so powerfully because, yes, you've been very, you've very, very open to people to say, hey, I struggle like everybody else does, which I think is awesome. But I've, saw, I've watched you stay faithful to principles like the Word of God, like your whole life to me. You've just given yourself to the Word of God continually in good times and bad times. And to me, that's enabled Beverly and I to, when you modeled that for us, and there's times when I feel like I'm a million miles away from the Lord and I've got so much troubles around me, I can't even hear the Lord's voice. If I'll be faithful to stick with God's Word, I, you taught me that. Like, that's important. That's the basis. I don't know if you remember this, but I was driving you to the airport one day, and I was astounded at your knowledge of the Word of God. Like, I've just never heard anybody teach like that. And I said, Pastor Benny, how do you know the Word of God so well? You said, Maddox, it's just every day. I go to the Word. I read the Word. I, I let the Holy Spirit continually teach me from the Word. And you know what? 20 years from now, if you'll do the same thing, here's what will happen. Somebody will be driving you to the airport one day, and they'll ask you, Kent Maddox, how do you know the Word of God so well? And I'm thinking, there's no way that's ever going to happen, you know. 20 years later, we, as you know, we have a lot of people in recovery that are coming yeah. to recovery, and one of these recovery guys was driving me to the airport. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Kent, how do you know the Word of God so well? And I just started sobbing, and it took me back to the very time in that van that you told me, if you'll just faithfully every day go to God's Word, you will build you a reservoir that will sustain you even when all of hell is coming against you. And even when you're making your own mistakes, uh, it'll be your foundation. That's the key right there, you know. Uh, when I started in ministry, and by the way, I'm so grateful that you're writing this book that will help people, I pray, and help people who are uh, called uh, to, to, to ministry. But when I started that first service in Oshawa, I was... 21 years old, and when, when the power of God fell, I went back to our home, and I went to my, to my room, and I just looked up and said, dear Jesus, what did you do tonight? Because I was in shock. I never thought God would use me. I said, what did you do tonight? And all he said was, be faithful. Mm. He, he didn't say anything. He said, be faithful to me. Wow. And that's been there in my head and heart for all those years. And that happens when the Word of God is in us. I don't think we can be faithful without the Bible within us. I don't think we have the ability on our own to be faithful to the Lord without something in us that keeps us walking with Him. And that something really is His knowledge. It's the knowledge of who He is. It's not the knowledge of the Bible. It's the knowledge of the Lord mm -hmm. that the Bible gives us. 
And the knowledge of the Lord is not known when we read the Bible only once or twice or a hundred times or a thousand times. The knowledge of the Lord is known as we read it daily for the rest of our days, the rest of our lives, because the Bible is an endless book. You know, Jesus is eternal. His word is eternal. And the amazing thing about the Bible is that I'm discovering even now at my age, I was reading the word this morning, as I do every day, and I made a decision a few years ago to read the word once every four months, which is three times a year. And I, you know... All the though, way through? Yeah, yeah. Wow. From Genesis to Revelation, I started January 1 this year uh, from Genesis 1, and I will be done at the end of this month. Staggering. So every four months, I go through the Bible one time. Then I go back, and sometimes, you know, I ask myself, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I almost have memorized the portions to where when you read it, you know exactly what's coming after. You can read it without opening it. Yeah, but, but, this is a hard one to explain. It's not the words you read. It's, it's like, it's like a veil opens mm -hmm. that you didn't know was there. And it's not about something that you see you haven't seen before. You've seen it before, but not in that way. Mm-hmm. And the Lord becomes more crystallized, maybe is the word, like uh, more, uh, the, the, his substance becomes thicker in you. And something gets you uh, glued and grounded in a thicker way in, in him. And that part is really hard to explain. It's almost like, it's almost like being pulled into Jesus without you doing anything about it. Because mm -hmm. he's pulling you in and you're getting thicker and deeper and, and better acquainted with the way he is. And you see little things that our minds uh, aren't able to pick up sometimes. In fact, I don't think our minds ever can pick those things up. But that realm that the Bible brings you in, I know this sounds, maybe somebody doesn't know what I'm talking about, and I'm trying to be as careful and clear on it as I can. But the Bible brings you into a realm where you have different lenses every time you read it. Right. Just like... See different levels of revelation. In totally, it. totally. Yeah. And it's not about the, the actual print. It's about the one who is behind that print, the one who is the... Who is My word is spirit, it is life. Oh, it right? is so powerful. And sometimes you miss those things. You know, you're not reading. Like when I was young, the, the level I was at, I couldn't even associate with this today. I wouldn't even be able to even... Right. Uh, it's a different world. It's almost like, it's almost like when you're older, you see life so differently. You see... You know, I, I think the older we get, we become, life becomes more precious, you know. Of course. And every day becomes more precious. And it's hard to communicate what you're actually very, feeling, right? Because it's a, you're in a different hard. realm. Well, like, like in the, even in the natural, you know, my mom would say things like to us, uh, how much she loves us. And I think, oh, you love me. Like, okay. <laughs> but then she'd make statements that, hmm, what? 
And she'd say, you'll understand when you have children. Right. Okay, well, now I do. I didn't have no clue what she was talking about. Right. She'd say words to me, and the Arabic language is, as you know, very poetic. Uh, and she'd say words to me that were so endearing and so precious. Uh, you, you saw love or love in them, but you didn't get it. Now you do, because now you have children, mm-hmm. and you see how you feel about them. See it totally different. Totally. That's the way it is spiritually. That's a very slight example. But when it comes to sustaining the anointing, now that's that's a toughie. That's a toughie. Because the anointing demands uh, that you are free from distractions. Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can I can easily shut the world out when I'm reading the Bible. Because all I have to do is get in my room and lock the door and shut the phone off. Right. But when I'm ministering and people are around me, I'm not alone. There's all kinds of people there in the service and before the service and after the service. Right. In the car and on the way back to the hotel. That's where you really have to learn how to close yourself in again with them around. Right. That's the tough one. And then the distractions of life that come when you're not preaching at all, you're not in a service, you're not on the way to a service or from a service, you're just dealing with life, and something hits you that you have no idea why it's hitting you. How do you keep your peace? Mm. Well, that has to go back to the beginning, like your your early days, your I say there's a there's a golden rope that holds our hearts <laughs> with his. And that's the moment, the first moment, the very first moment when Jesus became real. Wow. You know, you go back in that. Like you go back to that moment to that day. For me it was at George Vanny High School. Wow. In class where for the first time in my whole life Jesus became more real to me than the teacher and the students and my own skin. And I wept and said, Jesus, I love you, out loud, with the students in class looking at me like, is he okay? And the teacher, oh, she was a tough woman. That <laughs> and the teacher, who usually was just nasty, and I'm sitting there with my head like this, you know, on the desk, this is in class. And I'm crying and sobbing, saying, Jesus, I love you. And my cousin, Selwa, who was sitting across the way, she's a very famous doctor now at Mount Sinai Hospital in Canada. And she, she, she was shushing me, you know, quiet, quiet. And uh, I didn't care about her shushing me, because <laughs> Jesus was more real to me than her. That moment will never leave my life. Right, sustains you. Oh, my goodness. Because sometimes you'll say, are you still here? Right. Lord, you know, but he never leaves us. Yeah. People ask me, you know, all the time, what's Benny Hinn like? You know, right? Because they know uh, I've known you pretty intimately over the long period of time now, 35 years, I guess. I've, I've some of them. Or more. And I just always have one comment because there's so much I could say about you. I said, all, all I can tell you is this. I've never met another man on this earth that loved Jesus more than that man. 
Well, I think and that for, to me, you well, have that's sweet, but that's but it's minutes. true. But I mean, I've watched it, so this isn't here. This isn't hearsay. I've watched you love Jesus. I've wondered why I've loved the Lord. I've wondered why, and I don't have the full answer, but I have maybe a part of the answer, and that is, I think the very fact that He chose somebody nobody wanted. Now, see. I was, I, I was, I wrote about That's that as well. That's always been my. Some people don't realize this. Your love for sinners, <laughs> I mean, your love for people that are unqualified. A lot of people don't know this, but I was a drug addict. And you know, our first team yeah. that started with you, hear me, an ex drug addict, our friend David Delgado, an ex heroin addict, a, a, a crusade director, an ex mafia uh, hitman. A, a young man you rescued off the streets that was homeless on dope and restored his life, healed him, got him saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. He's on our team. You you let God form a team of people that nobody else would have ever wanted. And you never allowed people to pressure you to choose men or women with human qualifications if you knew God had called them. And I think that's one so honorable that you would, that you, most people would never have allowed me to even be in ministry or any of this other team that you allowed because you recognize the call of God on somebody and faithfulness. You used to always tell me you can't make an able man faithful, but you can make a faithful man able. And, man, and, listen. and you're, you're doing that is just astounding to well, me. Well, a part of the answer to my question that I've heard about myself is why did God bother with me? And why am I still here? And why do I love him like I do? Because I do. Oh, I know. I said to the Lord one day, I said, Lord, even if you send me to hell, I will love you still. <laughs> and I told Paul Crouch that one day, he said, that's deep. <laughs> it is deep. That's deep. But I meant it. Of I course. really meant it. And I still mean it. Because without Jesus, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. First of all, I, I've said to the Lord, I said, it would be better to have never been born than not to know you. And when I look at my life, I see the Lord choosing somebody who used to stutter. My family was very loving. My cousins were very, very loving. I grew up in a beautiful home, a very loving home. I had a beautiful childhood. But as I got older in life, my speech impediment uh, was a liability. And nobody wanted to talk to me, and I don't want to talk to them either. You remember I took you to the yard in school. Yeah. Met with Ferrer Henry, and he told you himself I used to stutter. Right. Even though people said I was lying about it. No, they can see what they Oh, want. he testified to the fact it was a reality. Yeah, well. A severe reality. He was, he was, he was my teacher and uh, in, in Java. And uh, so anyways, and then other things began happening later when my family, uh, after I got saved, cut me off. My daddy wouldn't talk to me for a long time. And then the cousins who were sweet when I was young became enemies when I got older in my teens. And uh, they called me names uh, when I would uh, be at the house uh, listening to worship and they were listening to Im Kaltum down below <laughs> or some Arabic music or whatever. Uh, talking politics, and I'm in my room locked up up there talking to Jesus, and they thought I was nuts, and, do, and they, they told me so. And then you feel that 
continual, continual rejection by uh, uh, family uh, and, 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 and others. And then one day the Lord, to your shock, and you look at your life and think, my goodness, like how did that all happen? I got saved the same week, the same week I'm saved. I meet the Watsons, Nova Nola. I was just with them a few days ago. On, I, saw, I saw it on the... And, and they invite me to be a part of their team on that week. Suddenly I go from nobody knowing me, nobody wanting me, to a leading position in the catacombs because I'm from Israel. And then wow. I got involved in that team. and Which was a great move of God. Oh, it was know. the I mean, it was move massive, of God yeah. in Toronto. There was nothing greater than that than the catacombs. Mm -hmm. You had 3,000 young people every Thursday meeting and the greatest speakers on earth coming to minister to us. And here I am on the platform. Wow. A week, the week I got saved, I am in. And you know, I didn't think about that then. But I look back, oh my God. <laughs> and I go from that to go to see Catherine Kuhlman in 1970. In 77, I'm asked to conduct her memorial service. It's like, knock, knock, wait a minute, these things don't happen. Having never met her in my life, I've wow. seen her. I don't think she knew who I was, but now I am the guy when I'm tw 24 years old. Wow. Having to preach and take the service her memorial service with all her people and all her staff sitting there and crowds that came who didn't know who I was from Adam. I didn't think that back then. And then from that, they said, would you come with us and travel with us all over America and show the film uh, about her life? And that's how people knew there was a guy out there named Benny Hinn. Isn't that something? Like only God could do that. Right. And when, when you see that God chose you when others did not want to even look at you, it puts a love in your heart for this incredible God that, like, uh, is he for real? <laughs> you know, is he that loving and that forgiving and that that doesn't leave you? And then you, you go through a, a divorce like I did for three years and then back with your wife again same wife, but when when you go through those three years of madness and people leave you again and they write their own stories about you and make up their own mind, you know, stories about you, and you don't want to talk because you say, the Lord will take care of me, you know, because you know the facts and they don't know the facts. And I'm walking in my bedroom in California and for the first time in three years, I hear his voice. Because I hadn't heard his voice in three years. There's too much, too much craziness going on, the lawyers and the this and that. And I'm walking through, and he speaks so clearly, like audibly clearly, and says, I'm just waiting for you to come home. Gosh. And I hit, I fell on the floor crying, and I said, are you still here? Well, he was. And then your love comes back to life. Mm. You know, everything. Like, is this Jesus? Like, is, 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 he's more than 
what I had understood him to be. Surely I knew when I was young, you know, his patience, long-suffering, and love. Now he shows it again when those who call themselves, at least when I was young, my cousins who didn't know the Lord and friends who didn't know the Lord thought I was whatever. Now I'm dealing with people who call themselves believers and preachers attacking me right. and don't know the facts. But he, he, the Lord, was not attacking me. He was waiting for me. Beautiful. And your love goes, oh my goodness, is this Jesus? And then, you know, you, you still have your struggles, you still have your ups and downs. He just doesn't change. Doesn't ever leave us, does he? Never leave us. Always there, always patient, always loving. Why not love someone like that? Why not serve? <laughs> like, who else is like that? You tell me. Where am I going Nobody. to go? You got the very words of life. Who is like that? Your mom is not like that. Your dad is not like that. Your brothers are not like that. Nobody's like that. You know, eventually mom and dad go because of age. Eventually brothers and sisters go for all, all, all kinds of reasons. Eventually children go for... But he is still there till that last moment in life. And now when that last moment comes, he's still there after that. Like, and, we'll, and we'll be there forever. Forever. To serve... Our, and we don't want to disappoint him because no, we... we how can you disappoint someone who is so loving and kind? And we, we, we fight this horrible flesh that we hate. You know, we want to be free from it, like Paul says in 2 Corinthians. How, how he just wants to be free from this body of death. Right. You know, this is the enemy right here. Nobody else, this is the enemy. I can easily handle the devil. Right. Because I can resist him and he'll go. I just can't resist this thing because <laughs> it's not going to go nowhere. It's going to stick around. And I have to keep it under submission. Quite simple. And Paul makes an amazing statement. He said, I keep my body under subjection. And if I don't, it's over. Well, you've done a good job. I, well, I don't know about that. But, I do. But, but, but the thing is, that is what keeps the anointing alive. And that is the biggest distraction of life right here. So I was saying to you earlier, the biggest distraction, yeah. uh, sorry, this distraction is what what affects and weakens the anointing with all the stuff that happens that I've just talked about. But the biggest dis distraction is right here, this flesh. That's the biggest distraction of life because he comes at you when, when, when you're not uh, even ready for him. Of course. So. You've navigated it, though, and you know you mentioned people had written some nonsense, in my opinion. Uh, about you, and that's another reason I wanted to write the book because I just felt like some somebody that actually knows you, and I'm not bragging in that I know you better than anybody, but I well, do. Well, you know me. For, I know uh, you, you really well. You know well, me uh, better than a lot of people. And for a long, long time, uh, what is the truth? And, uh, you know, you talked about the, how the Lord's generosity and love for you, uh, but I've watched your love and generosity to others. And, you know, people can label it prosperity gospel or whatever they want to label uh, some of that. But I, you modeled, you changed my life by your lifestyle of generosity. And what people don't know is you don't teach prosperity or generosity only. You actually live it. That's been your life since I've known you day one. You are so generous with your time and your resources. I've watched you take all your 
personal values and give it to missionaries. I've watched you empty the ministry coffers to build an orphanage that you didn't even have money to build. And time after time after time, even this year, I was in a, another nation, met a young lady who was associated to you through her parents. And she said, oh, yes, how's Pastor Benny Hindu? And I said, I think he's doing great. I hadn't seen him in a little while. She said, well, if you don't, you don't realize this, but he actually paid for my education, like my college education, because my family couldn't afford it. And that, if the Word of God is the key, to, the key that unlocks the presence and anointing, then it seems to me the generosity has unlocked something in your life because it did mine. You taught me how to live a generous life so, and it's, and it's not a prosperity gospel. It's actually the fruit of the Spirit. And you modeled that so powerfully. And that's something I wanted to communicate in this book too because I do believe in that power of generosity. Well, it's not about money. It's not. It's about giving. Yes. Out of loving, you give. That's all it is. Whether we give to the Lord or whether we give to our own loved ones, uh, at special times, we do it because we love. We love. I mean, why, why buy your son and daughter a gift when it's birthday? Because you love them. Right. You want them to know you love them all over again. For God so loved the world, He gave. Yeah. Gave His son. And, and with God, we give out of love, and we do what He says out of love. When we when He says, help the poor, for example, or help people who are doing good works. You know, I mean, you you just do it. You remember when we went to Calcutta? We were yeah. torn up. Yes. You couldn't. You could not stop from giving. You had to give. Right. And you gave so extravagantly that. But you that did nation. too. Yes. But you, I mean, you, you carried that dead boy. Yeah. We, I remember that. Yeah. I or, did. Uh, yeah. Know, but we picked he up. Wasn't all dead yet, but yeah, he died. He died. Yeah. We. They. Part of that. What they did in the morning. They had to go pick up the dying and bring him. You know, to either die. That really shook or, your life. It really it? did. Yeah. That whole experience in Calcutta. With uh, Hilda Bontain, right? Yeah, but you, but you so generously supported them for years and made a huge difference in in children's lives and in that nation. And I wanted people to know that. I mean, uh, I watched oh, no. you. Thank I watched you change people's life through generosity, and it changed my life. And the one one of the main things that I because it's actually happening now, and I don't know if you even remember this or not, but I'm still staggered by it today. So you you may know the story, but. A guy I used to smoke a lot of dope with actually brought me to your church. Mm. Uh, and I think I remember you talking about that. Yeah. yeah. And so Beverly and I started attending your church, and I sat in there and I said, God, I feel like kind of like you with, with the catacomb story. I was like, God, you know, I'm a drug addict. I've, I'm done with that, but I don't really know what I'm doing, but I think you want me to do something. And you, I prayed that 60 seconds later, you stopped the whole service and pointed to me and said, young man, come here. 2,000 people in this service, and I've prayed a prayer, and 60 seconds later, how does God hear me and talk to you in 60 seconds? You stop the whole service. You call me down front and say, the trials of the past have come to an end, and the glory of tomorrow will be revealed to you in clarity, for I'll place you in a place of ministry where wounded lambs will come your way, and you will not only deliver them, but strengthen them to see them grow, for I'll place you in a place of ministry, and nothing will stop me from accomplishing my plans for your life. And then told me 10 minutes later, Beverly and I, that we would be in the ministry with you. And of course, it all happened just like that, which was staggering. Uh, I write about it in the book, how you just, you just totally by faith of hearing God allowed me to come so into your life. So when will the book be out? 
It's out now. You can actually get it right now at lifeoffreedom.site. Are you going to give me a copy when I see you? Of course I am. Are you going to sign it? Oh, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> it's funny. Well, we're coming up to, to uh, Alabama soon. Yeah. But you sure enough prophesied, and now uh, we have thousands that have come through, but now 300 souls that live with us on campus that are wounded lambs, just as you prophesied, oh, that God, God would send our way and we would deliver them and see them strengthened. It's the Lord. So it's the Lord. It's God the has Lord. used you so... I, don't even, I know that you sent some of the impact, but sometimes it's okay for somebody else to tell you, God has used you so powerfully. But I don't talk about it. I know, but I am. God has told, God well, has used you so powerfully in people's Lucy. lives around the world. They are now doing great exploits for the Lord because of your faithfulness and obedience. And I just wanted to say thank you from the bottom of my heart and write about it and let people know who Benny Hinn is. I do. Who Benny Hinn is and what he taught me about empowered living. Well, you're so sweet and you're so wonderful too sit there with tears in your eyes talking about it. But, you know, I don't see myself the way people see that. I really, really don't. Well, of course, I know that. And, I mean, so that's why I felt like, obviously, I felt like I, I wanted to tell a story about you because you would you you can't do that. You wouldn't do that. But, but I, I felt I'm like... I'm scared to do I, that. I felt like I needed to, and... You know why I'm scared, right? Of? Well, to talk about what God has done. Of course. With me, I mean. Because we don't take the credit. No, I understand you don't. But I also know the price you paid and the willingness and the obedience and what you've suffered to do it. And, and the Bible says give honor to where honor is due. And I want to honor you. And I hopefully will help other people realize exactly who you are and will understand what, what you've accomplished for the kingdom of God and honor you as well because you are, you are a man worthy of honor. Well... I and pray we the love Lord, you very much. Thank you so kind, and I love you too. And I pray that the next five, ten years, I don't know how long I have on the planet, but let's pray it's about ten years, somewhere there, that the Lord would touch a lot of young people and uh, launch them. This world needs it, dear God. They need the, the, the gospel so badly. But something beautiful is, is happening now that I think is so amazing, and that is... Uh, different people from other denominations mm -hmm. are no longer seeing those walls. That's exactly right. Like they don't even pay attention to their denomination. It's like God is bringing his people into a place of oneness and unity and nobody thinks about I'm Baptist, I'm Pentecostal, I'm Catholic, I'm Lutheran. They're just believers. You know, it's wonderful to see that. I was so blessed and so touched a few weeks ago I went to see the Billy Graham Library, and uh, Franklin, such an amazing man. I honor that man so, so much for his stand for the Lord, you know, and what his father accomplished that has touched millions and millions around the world, including my own life and your life. And I'm walking through that library at night with, with the staff that were there, and uh, Franklin they were doing some renovation, and dear Conrad Poe, your member of Conrad, mm -hmm. uh, uh, called Franklin's grandson that he works with, or son, son, no, sorry, grandson that he works with, and he called his daddy, and uh, or one of the staff called Franklin. He said, "You tell Benny anything you want, you know, 
and the love they showed me was so moving. And I'm thinking, Lord, you know, this is what you prayed for. Mm-hmm. This is what you prayed, that they all may be one as we are, you know. And a few weeks ago, a few days ago, in fact, uh, I was watching uh, someone send me a clip. Actually, Peter Bajo, you remember mm-hmm. Peter, called me and said, oh, they were talking about you on that uh, Catholic network, uh, uh, Mother Angelica's uh, network out of Alabama. Yes, in Birmingham. Yeah. I said, really, what did they say? He said, they said some nice things about you. I said, oh, really? <laughs> so a priest, a very f- popular priest, had mentioned me and said uh, how I had talked about uh, the Eucharist and, uh, and I said more people are healed uh, during the, uh, when uh, more Catholic people are healed uh, during the time of communion that we've been accostals and, and uh, which is true because they revere core communion. And uh, I thought, how sweet, you know? And then he says at the end, the priest said, may we, and almost made me cry, he said, because he was talking about me talking about communion. He said, may we all come together around the Lord's table. Wow. He said, may the Lord do that for us. And I thought, I'm going to reach out to that man. That's beautiful. And come together. And I'm still trying to get hold of them. And I will. Well, your message them. on the Holy Spirit, of course, has had crossed such boundaries, you know, because I've met people now, Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterians, Catholics, uh, Pentecostals, cross-denominational that have been affected and introduced actually to the power of the Holy Spirit uh, through that message and, the, and of course the book, Good Morning Holy Spirit. It's just had yeah. a tremendous impact on people understanding who the Holy Spirit is and the relationship Only that's God available. Only God did that book. That, that book Supernatural, was do, it? Was, still is. It's still selling after all those years because I still get checks, royalty checks. It's like it was 1991, I think, or 92. Something like that when you released it. When, it, when, we, when I wrote it. This is 2023. That's a long time for a book to keep selling. And it's still selling and changing lives. And only God did that. I did not do that. Wow. I, I would have not known how to do it. And of all things, a Baptist I was thinking about show, that. Thomas Nelson. Published that book. Published that book. I I gave it at first, well, offered it to a charismatic publishing house in Tulsa. And the fellow who ran it said, uh, we're not interested. Nobody will read it. Nobody will buy it. <laughs> okay. I didn't know what to do with that. And I'm at the NRB. And I meet Sam Moore. He walks into, he's from Lebanon, uh, walks into into my my hotel room, looks at me and says, I want your book, and if you don't give it to me, I'll kill you. <laughs> Imagine, this is what he said. Sam Moore. Straight to the point. Right to the point. He said, I want your book, and if you do not give it to me, I will kill you. <laughs> and I went over and gave him a big hug, because that's the way we talk. You know, it's, it's, it's the Arabic way to show yeah, love when you I say, I'm going to kill you. Back then, maybe now, it's different. <laughs> But, but uh, I said, okay, it's yours. The book is yours. And he published it. They published it. Been a blessing around the world. Oh, it was selling 50,000 copies a week. Unbelievable. A week. 50,000 a week when it came out. Wow. And uh, 
Only God can do that. The powerful influence of it in the power oh, of, of the relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, it's about the Holy Spirit because he's been ignored. And uh, to ignore the Holy Spirit is harmful to us. It's, it, 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 it harms us. It harms our walk with God. It harms our life. I remember you telling me an impactful story about the Holy Spirit. I know we're probably about out of time, but when you were... Uh, you said you had first gotten acquainted with the Holy Spirit and you were were walking, if I remember you were walking from work, wherever you were working at the time, and you, in the freezing cold temperatures of oh, Canada, yeah. and, and you'd forgotten your head cover, yeah. and you asked the Holy Spirit. I asked the Lord to help me. And, and tell me that again. Just Well, I used to work at Fairview Mall, and Fairview Mall at that time, our home was across the way. Now there's, there's a highway there called Don Valley Parkway. Before they built Don Valley Parkway, I would cross in an open field to go home it was not far at all. And I'm walking in this open field between the mall and the house, and it was so cold. Winter in, 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 in Toronto can be terribly cold. And my ears were in pain. They actually were painful because of the cold, and I forgot to. Because this is dangerous cold weather. I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was probably, I don't know what the temperature was, mm -hmm. but this was in the middle of the winter. And I just asked the Lord to please help me. And within not even a second, I felt a warmth cover my ears. Like instantly, my the, the pain left, the cold left from my ears. Like somebody's hands or something were on your I ears. felt someone's hands over my ears. And the beautiful warmth was probably an angel. The beautiful warmth with, with around them. And I was stunned. And all the way, not a very long walk, but a short walk still. And I went in, I'm thinking, that's amazing. Isn't that something? Jesus even cares about our ears. Isn't that beautiful? What is I, love? I was teaching about the Holy Spirit. Of course, everything I teach, I learned from you. So anyway, I was teaching about the Holy Spirit in our church in Alabama, about how the Holy Spirit knows everything, right? Yeah. The Holy course. Spirit knows everything sure. about everything. And then this is Alabama, right? And so this young man who's just gotten saved and turned <clears> on to the Lord, he's really on fire for the Lord. He's out in the, on the farm working, and his tractor breaks. And he's not a mechanic, so he's looking at the engine, trying to figure it out. And he said, I remember Kent said, you know, the Holy Spirit knows about everything. So he said, Holy Spirit, if you know about everything, surely you know how to fix a tractor. And he said, could you help me with this? And he said, literally, I'm just like new to connect this wire to that wire and connect this to that. He said like it was just something just began like a, a, a spirit, he called it, you know, just something, sure. knowledge. And he said, the next thing you know, this is Alabama and the Holy Spirit, right? So I jumped on that tractor, <laughs> fired right up. His testimony was the Holy Spirit is real and very available. And that's some about the book that I talk about is the Holy Spirit you taught me is available, not just for the big things, but even the small, minor details of our life, which makes him so powerful. And well, I want to just share one more thing. You know, you remember Dr. Bill Bright years ago, and he and I would have lunch monthly, and he brought one of his people one time with him who was very, very conservative. Now, Dr. Bright, who had Campus Crusade, was really in heart. He was a charismatic in heart. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, Love the Lord. He was such an amazing man. And uh, he said to me one day privately, he said, you know, he said, if my parishioners, if his, if his people, his followers, 
knew he was friends with me, it would really hurt his ministry. So he wanted me to keep it quiet. I said, of course. But one day he brought with him uh, one of his people who was very conservative. And I'm talking to Dr. Bright. And this Dharma says, okay, tell me more about the Holy Spirit. So I began talking. And he said, I don't believe that. I said, well, I mean, I'm just telling you. He said, I'll try it out. Because I said, well, he's a person. Why don't you talk to him? And he didn't like that at first. He didn't feel like that the Holy Spirit was that real. I said, well, talk to him and find out. Just ask him to help you. Well, he was one of Dr. Bright's evangelists who would go out and preach the gospel. So three, four months later, I think it was, he was back with Dr. Bright at lunch. He asked to, to, to come back. So Dr. Bright brought it. He said, he's, he's got something to tell you. Said, really? So Dr. Bright says, you tell Benny what you told me. And he looked at me and said, you're right. I said, what happened? <laughs> he said, well, he said, now when I travel, I, I asked the Holy Spirit to help me preach the gospel and help me win the lost. He said, I'm having great results. <laughs> he said, I'm having more results now I've ever had in my life. I said, see, he's, he's there. And, and that is so precious, you know, when you hear that. Yeah. So I pray this book will, and you're calling it Led, led by the Spirit, mm -hmm. I pray that this book will bring many to life in the Spirit. Now, you turn it over for, to well, tell them what's in it? Uh-huh, just to let you know the, the kind of what we wrote about, the supernatural power of Jesus is yours, right? That's what you've taught us. It'll enable you to transmit the power of the Holy Spirit with you, within you to others, provide a comprehensive series of revelations to unlock the supernatural, prepare you to take the supernatural with you when God says to move, convince you that God is always ready for you to steward his power and to inspire you to surrender all that you have for him. I would love you to give this book to the guys who work with me. I think they would enjoy it. Gladly do it. And thank you for your time. No, thank you for And thank time. you for letting me be here with you. And would you just pray for me and pray Come for on, this Joe. book, please? Lord, Bevy, why don't you come sit with us here? You mind? <laughs> Your wife can sit right there. Lord, we pray that this book will touch millions, not just thousands. Lord, I pray that you'll use Kent and Bevy in a beautiful way in this time of their life to be messengers of your precious word about the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. That the message of the Holy Spirit will become their message to their people and their generation, that the fire of your Holy Spirit will flow through their lips and their life in this book that will bring revival and restoration to multitudes in the name of Jesus, for your glory and only for your honor and glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Benny. I love you very much. Love you, and I will see you in Alabama. We'll be waiting on you. Thank you for being with us today. What a blessed time I'm having. And now it's time to give to the work of the Lord. Let's honor him because we love him. Let's give to his precious work, the gospel, so millions will hear the message of salvation and be blessed. And I pray the Lord will reward you and bless you today as you sow seed in the Lord's work. So will you please do it today and, and let the Lord lead you. Let, 
the Lord speak to you on what you should give today. Lord, thank you for this privilege you've given us to serve and love you. Lord, I pray as your people give, you will bless them, reward them, that everything they do will be blessed. Bless the work of their hands. Bless their future, their family. In Jesus' wonderful name, Lord, your word declares that we the righteous will never lack. I pray not one person will ever lack financially. In Jesus' glorious name. And God's people said, Amen and Amen. All right, you can give on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benahin.org, which is the simplest way to give, really. Just simply benahin.org. Or you can text BHM45777. And then I'll see you tomorrow for a beautiful day again. Much love. Bye-bye.